Welcome back, friends, to Hope is a Prayer Away. I am your host, Pastor JJ. And in today's Bible study, we're going to continue the series on the judgments. All of the judgments that we find in the Bible and how they apply uh, to all of us or to some of us. And, uh, and why these judgments take place. So today we're in part 21 of a 31-part series. So let us examine the meaning of the judgment. And we're going to put in parentheses the Bema Seat. So the meaning of the judgment, parentheses, Bema Seat. Both Romans 14.10 and 2 Corinthians 5.9 speak of the judgment seat. What is the judgment seat? So we find that in Romans 14.10 out of the NIV, the Bible reads, You then, why do you judge your brother or sister? Or why do you treat them with contempt? For we will all stand before God's judgment seat. Wow. 2 Corinthians 5.9, all of the verses come out of the NIV. So we make it our goal to please him, whether we are at home in the body or away from it. Now we need to understand that there is a translation of one Greek word, the word bima. While Bema is used in the Gospels and Acts of the Apostles, of the raised platform where a Roman magistrate or ruler sat to make decisions and pass sentence, we find a more clear explanation in Matthew 27 verse 19 as an example of the Bema seat. Now, why while Pilate was sitting on the judge's seat, his wife sent him this message, Don't have anything to do with that innocent man, for I have suffered a great deal today in a dream because of him. And she was talking about Jesus. But where was Pilate? He was on the Bema seat. John 19, 13. When Pilate heard this, he brought Jesus out and sat down on the judge's seat, the Bema seat, at a place known as the stone pavement, which in the Aramaic is Gabbatha. Its use in the epistles by Paul because of its many allusions to Greek athletic contests is more in keeping with the original use among the Greeks. This word was taken from Isthmian Games, where the contestants would compete for the prize under the careful scrutiny of judges, who would make sure that every rule of the contest was obeyed. Now we find in 2 Timothy 2, verse 5, similarly, anyone who competes as an athlete does not receive the victor's crown except competing according to the rules. So we find that the victor of a given event who participated according to the rules was led by the judge to the platform called the Bema. There, the laurel wreath was placed on his head as a symbol of victory. 
And we find in 1 Corinthians 9, verse 24 through 25, and the title of, the, of, of this section of the Bible is The Need for Self-Discipline. Do you not know that in a race all runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. And we find that in all of these passages, Paul was picturing the believer as a competitor in a spiritual contest. Amen? So while he has the backdrop of what was going on in the time and how Greeks would understand this, but he was really using those games to, com to, to, to use as an analogy for the believers. In other words, we have a spiritual contest to spread the word of God, to spread the good news, the gospel. Amen. So as the victorious Grecian athlete appeared before the Bema to receive his perishable award, so the Christian will appear before Christ's Bema to receive his imperishable award. So we find that the judge at the Bema bestowed rewards to the victors. He did not whip the losers. And we might also add that neither did he sentence them to hard labor. In other words, it is a reward seat and portrays a time of rewards or loss of rewards following an examination. But it is not a time of punishment where believers are judged for their sins. Such would be inconsistent with the finished work of Christ on the cross because he totally paid the price or the penalty for our sins. And we find two eminent biblical theologians, two of the very best, um, Louis Perry Schaefer, and Dr. John Walvrood, who was one of my seminary professors, rest in peace, both who were former presidents of Dallas Theological Seminary, one of the most uh, prestigious seminaries in the world. And they have an excellent word on this view. With reference to sin, Scripture teaches that the child of God under grace shall not come into judgment. For example, John 3.18 for whoever believes in him is not condemned. So it's anybody. Anybody who believes in Jesus is not condemned. But whoever does not believe stands condemned already. Because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. John 5.24 very truly I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged, but has crossed over from death to life. Amen. John 6.37 All those the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never drive away. Thank you, Jesus. 
Romans 5.1, and this section of the Bible is entitled Peace and Hope. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Romans 8.1 of the NIV, Life through the Spirit. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in, G in Christ Jesus. 1 Corinthians 11.32 In his standing before God and on the ground that the penalty for all sin, past, present, and future. Colossians 2 and verse 13 When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, for Christ is the perfect substitute. The believer is not only placed beyond condemnation, but being in Christ is accepted in the perfection of Christ, as we read in 1 Corinthians 1.30. It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus who has become for us wisdom from God, that is, our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. Ephesians 1.6 To the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. Colossians 2 verse 10 And in Christ you have been brought to fullness. He is the head over every power and authority. Hebrews 10, 14. For by one sacrifice he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy and loved of God as Christ is loved. Amen. John 17, 23. I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. And again, we find Dr. Schaefer writes concerning the Bema. It cannot be too strongly emphasized that the judgment is unrelated to the problem of sin, that it is more for the bestowing of rewards than rejection of failure. Now, when is the time of the Bema? Now, we find that this event will occur immediately following the rapture or the resurrection of the church after it is caught up to be with the Lord in the air as described in 1 Thessalonians 4, and we're going to be reading verses 13 through 18. And the title of this passage in the Bible is, Believers Who Have Died. Starting at verse 13, please let us read. Brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death, so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again, and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus 
those who have fallen asleep in him. According to the Lord's word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. And then after that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage one another with these wise, with these words. <laughs> Arguments in support of this view. We find that in Luke 14, verses 12 through 14, it reads the following. Then Jesus said to his host, when you give a luncheon or a dinner, do not invite your friends, your brothers or sisters, your relatives, or your rich neighbors. If you do, they may invite you back and you will be repaid. But when you give a banquet, banquet, invite the poor, invite the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. Amen. And friends, that talks about so much compassion. And so much compassion that, unfortunately, I see that some Christians, we forget that Jesus is all about compassion. How can he love Christ if you don't have compassion? On your fellow brothers. Amen. So it says in verse 14. And you will be blessed. Although they cannot repay you. You will be repaid. At the resurrection of the righteous. Reward is associated with the resurrection. And the rapture is when the church is resurrected. Revelation 19 verse 8. Fine linen, bright and clean, was given her to wear. Fine linen stands for the righteous acts of God's holy people. For we find that when the Lord returns with his bride at the end of the tribulation, she is seen already rewarded. Her reward is described as fine linen, the righteous acts of of the saints of undoubtedly the result of rewards and in 2nd Timothy 4 8 and in 1st Corinthians 4 5 rewards are associated with that day and with the Lord's coming let us read first 2nd Timothy 4 8 now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. Now let us read 1 Corinthians 4, 5. Therefore judge nothing before the appointed time. 
wait until the Lord comes. He will bring light what is hidden in darkness and will expose the motives of the heart. At the time, each will receive their praise from God. So we find again for the church, this means that the events that we just covered in 1 Thessalonians 4 verses 13 to 18 are to come when the G when when we get raptured and when Jesus uh, comes to get us. So what's going to be the order of the events? So A, we're going to find that the rapture which includes our glorification or resurrection bodies. B, the exaltation into the heavens with the Lord. C, we're going to have an examination before the bema seat. And D, and compensation or rewards for the works that we did for the for, for the ministry of Christ. Amen. But our judgment is not uh, about going to, to Hades. Uh, that's going to be in a later uh, in a later series. And friends, can you imagine what we're just reading here? Can you imagine all of the graves opening up? And in other verses, we find that the sea is going to deliver those bodies that are buried in them. And that all of those that are dead in Christ will rise first. Can you imagine that? All these graves popping up and bodies being called into the air. Man, what a time. What a time to be alive, huh? What a time to be a part of Team Jesus. I, you know, I read this, and every time I read it, I say to myself, this is mind-boggling. When you hear how the Lord is going to come back, and that there's going to be a trumpet by the archangel, and there'll be sounds like sounds in heaven and the earth and the and, and, and it's gonna break he's gonna stand on a mountain and it's gonna break in two can you imagine that when the heavens open up and you see him coming down and friends if you don't know the lord today's your day and i want you to know he forgives all of your sins and you know some of you's have lost a loved one and you hold God responsible for the loss of that loved one let me share this with you God would never punish you that way there's absolutely no reason for him to punish his children with the loss of a child sometimes my friends it is my belief that God's mercy comes into play. And I remember several years ago, there was a young man, I will just say his first name, out of respect to the family. This young boy, his name was Zachary, and he lived in Florida. And I remember that he was playing in dirty water and he contracted a disease that's called amoeba, and it's found in dirty waters. 
while the amoeba eats your brain. And they flew um, Zachary to a special hospital for children. And his family, from what I read in the paper, were all Christians and they were all praying. Well, Zachary went to be home with the Lord. And I remember asking the Lord, Lord, why would this happen? It seems like this family that prayed to you, that knows you, that put their trust in you, it seems like if you just left them empty-handed, Father. And the Lord spoke to me. And, the, and, and, and what I understood from the Lord is that Zachary would have never been the same if he had survived. He wouldn't have been the old Zachary. And in order to relieve the pain and suffering of an entire life over a child who will never be the same, God in his mercies stepped in, brought Zachary home to be with him, and stopped the suffering of that family. God is not malicious. Friends, before the foundations of this earth, He called everyone into existence, and He knew who was going to accept His sacrifice on Calvary, and He knew who wouldn't accept His sacrifice on Calvary. Can you imagine that? Just think about that for a second. And he still came to earth to die on a cross for anyone, for anyone that wants to have fellowship with him, that wants to accept him as their Lord and their Savior. Knowing that there were going to be many people that would never accept him, he got beaten. He got slapped in the face. He was flogged. He was humiliated. And then to end things off, they put a spear in his side. The reasons why they did that is because during those times, the Romans would do that so that the body would lose all of the blood. Like that, there would be no chance of that body being alive. Because without blood... We can't live. But on that third day, friends, he resurrected. And the tomb and the rock was removed. And God the Father called his son home. And he did that to show you and me that we too will one day be resurrected if He doesn't decide to come today. There's nothing that says that he can't come today and call us into the air with those that sleep in the Lord. And I would like for you to please picture this in your mind if you would. Picture yourself extending your hand to greet someone and the person just walks by doesn't even acknowledge you and how that makes you feel. 
And then I want you to picture Jesus extending his hand out to you day after day, month after month, and year after year. And you walk right on by and you just ignore him. How do you think that makes him feel after he died for you to give you life and life abundantly to forgive all of your sins? And I don't care what sin you have committed. If you truly repent before the Lord, He will forgive you. And He is the only one that can forgive you and give you eternal life. Or sadly, for those that don't accept, send you to Hades. But that remain that that control remains with the lord there's not a pastor in this world a church leader that can send you anywhere i can't even send myself anywhere so how can i send you so if you've ever been told that jesus doesn't love you because of this or because of that that is simply just not true, my friends. Please study this Bible study at your leisure. Ask the Lord to open your understanding as you read what we just studied today. No, friends. You see, the job of a pastor, in my opinion, is to show you his word, the Logos, which in the Greek means the word of God but playing God is telling people well you need to live like this or like that or like this or like that no you see Christianity it's a relationship between you and Jesus and if you accept Jesus the Holy Spirit is going to keep working in your life and guiding you and speaking to you and blessing you when you do something right or praising you. And he'll also let you know when you do something wrong. See, that's his part. The part of a pastor is not to judge anyone. For who am I to judge you when I am replete with sins? Better yet, is there anyone on the face of this earth that is not replete with sin? Name me one. Only Jesus. Amen. But friend, if you would like to make a commitment, and if you would like Jesus to come into your life, and let it be clear to you, you may have a friend, a family member, that's dying in a hospital. You may be a nurse who's listening to this podcast, or a doctor. And you can bring salvation to your patient. If the family would allow, you can lead them in the prayer that I'm going to say. And friends, if you're listening, you too can save the person's soul. Because while salvation and Jesus is free, 
you must accept it in this life. After you give your last breath, it's over. Either you accepted Jesus or you didn't. And no, there's no money that you can give. Don't let any pastor fool you. There is absolutely no money you can give to the church to get someone that you believe may be in Hades out. No. For salvation is a free gift from the Lord. Amen. If you would like to accept Jesus, please follow me in this prayer. Lord Jesus, I come before your throne. I ask you to forgive me of all of my sins. This day, I make you my Lord and my Savior. I want to take your hand. And please, Father, help me. Guide me. Give me courage. Give me hope in this hopeless situation that I may be in. And I want to be with God the Father, with the God the Holy Spirit, and you and the angels. And I want to live in heaven for eternity from this day forward. In Jesus' mighty name. Friends, if you said that prayer, I do believe that you're born again. I encourage you to find a good Bible preaching and teaching church. Take copious notes of all of your Bible studies during the week, of all of your Bible studies on Sundays, of your sermons. I would encourage you to go to the Bible bookstore and find a Bible that stands out, that when you read it, the pages read back to you, that they're easy to read, easy for you to understand. That's the Bible for you. And I would encourage you to please ask the Lord to give you understanding, to open your understanding about the information that you're going to input into your brain about the Lord. Secondly, I would ask you to ask the Lord to give you the remembrance so you can remember where this information was in the Bible so that you can help others. And thirdly, friends, be gentle. Teach the Word of God with compassion, with humility. None of us are perfect. Don't judge anyone. We're not judges. We're teachers of the Word. Amen. Friends, I thank you for your time. And I close out all of my podcasts in remembrance of the late Pastor John H. Osteen, who had the best, he coined the best phrase I have ever heard. I will share it with you. But he deserves all the credit. Amen. And Pastor Osteen, in my opinion, was a ball of fire. And he was just amazing. Just amazing. So anyway, he would close out all of his TV sermons with the following phrase. He would say, friends, keep Jesus first place in your life. And he will take you places that you've never 
dreamed of. Amen? Friends, thank you for your time and for the sincere privilege of being able to share Christ with you. And I will look forward to talking with you tomorrow on our podcast as we continue our series on the judgments. May his blessings be upon you and yours today and always. In Jesus' mighty name, thank you, friends.